In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. We celebrate the solemnity of Christ the King this weekend, and all three of our readings at Mass mention kings and kingdoms. It begins with our first reading. We hear a passage from the second book of Samuel in which David is anointed as king. Three chapters prior, David was anointed as king of Judah, but now David is being made king of all Israel. Like trying to convince your mom to buy you that candy bar in the grocery store checkout line, the people of Israel try all different sorts of logic to convince David to become king. First, they remind him that as an Israelite, he is of their bone and their flesh. It's an old way of saying the same thing we know today as my own flesh and blood. The second reason they give to David as to why he should be king is because he led the Israelites out and brought them back when they were in battle. And lastly, They remind David that the Lord said to him, You shall shepherd my people Israel and shall be commander of Israel. Although this exact phrase isn't found anywhere in Scripture, it's enough to convince David to become king. King David made an agreement with them there before the Lord, and they anointed him king of Israel. Our second reading will be familiar to us. We heard most of it as the second reading earlier this year, back in July, for the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. This time around, we hear an additional three verses prior to what we heard then. Colossians chapter 1, now verses 12 through 20. You'll recall that St. Paul got wind that some erroneous teaching had cropped up in Colossae. Mainly, some Christians there were worshipping angelic beings and astral powers in contradiction to the worship of Jesus. These Christians were really wondering if Jesus was the supreme supernatural being of the universe. St. Paul, then, wants to show how Jesus is supreme, and he'll do that by way of what some scholars believe to be an ancient hymn. Jesus Christ is above all, was involved in the creation of all, existed before all, is victor over all, and is reconciler of all. In fact, if you listen closely at Mass, you'll notice that the word all appears eight different times in this translation. Interestingly enough, Paul describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. The Greek word for image here is icon, from which we get our word today of icon. It's the same word that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 5. Take a listen. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his likeness, according to his image, icon, and named him Seth. Here, Paul is picking up on a similar idea, the son being the image, the icon of his father. And after all, Jesus himself said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Our gospel passage takes us right to the cross of Jesus. As he is being crucified, St. Luke's gospel recounts for us three sets of people who mock Jesus. They appear in a descending order of who was considered most important at the time. First, the religious leaders mock Jesus, then the soldiers do so, and finally, as a source of ultimate humiliation, one of the criminals being crucified with Jesus also joins in. What's more, Luke actually uses three different verbs to describe this mocking. The leaders sneered, the soldiers jeered, and the criminal reviled. We're told that above Jesus, there was an inscription that read, this is the king of the Jews. This was called the titulus in Latin and was reportedly carried by a soldier or even by the criminal himself as he was led out to crucifixion. It didn't so much display the verdict of the criminal because, after all, It was already assumed that he was guilty, but rather it was meant as a way of discouraging future behavior. So it could be that Pilate wrote, 
this is the king of the Jews, to show that anyone else who claimed to be a king, even the king of the Jews, would suffer the same cruel death. Of course, we know the great irony of this story is that Jesus really is the king of the Jews because he's king of all. Irony is actually woven throughout the story, especially when the soldiers approach Jesus and say, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. As they say this to him, they offer Jesus a very cheap and sour wine, something like vinegar. In the process, they unwittingly fulfill verse 22 of Psalm 69, which says, For my thirst, they gave me vinegar. Yet as Jesus is being mocked by so many, the second criminal crucified alongside him rebukes the first and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Some refer to this criminal as the good thief or the penitent thief, which is a bit of a misnomer because the criminal neither A, shows actual remorse for his crime, nor B, is described as having stolen anything. The thief is even referred to traditionally as Dismas, a name taken from the apocryphal Acts of Pilate. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for the Solemnity of Christ the King in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.